Well, uh, we have something a little different on tap today. We're going to hear from our Ringo mission team in a few minutes. And uh, so I'm going to kind of tee that up for you. But we've been in a series um, in the book of Acts, in a series that I've called Beyond, as I mentioned earlier. So we're looking at the first century church, the, the infant church, that was a church that lived beyond its Sunday gatherings, beyond uh, the walls and beyond the borders. And that's oriented our uh, sort of mindset and, and sight outwardly to think about our mission as a church being primarily out there and not in here. And so by the providence of God, um, we've had a lot of mission activity going on during this time in the early part of the year. Uh, one of those being the Oringa uh, team, or sending a team back to Oringa. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But um, last week's message was a message called Worthy to Suffer. And I mentioned that um, it was, it's a bit of an unusual message, I suppose. And within uh, American evangelical Christianity, that's not the kind of theme we would go looking for in most of our devotional studies and that kind of thing. Uh, and in fact, you may have felt like that uh, you applied that immediately by suffering through the sermon because it was a bit heavy, <laughs> a, bit, a bit of a heavy uh, subject. And in fact, the, 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 uh, we didn't bring the house lights up last week and, and uh, you know, then the clouds passed over. You probably remember the moment where there was a storm last week and we just see the shadow descend on the congregation. And I'm like, Lord, this is really a heavy message here. But... Um, but one that's, that's actually pretty prominent in the New Testament. And uh, in that particular case, we saw in Acts chapter 5 that as the church continued to preach the gospel, that on one hand, they saw many signs and wonders were done regularly through the hands of the apostles. And more than ever, people were being added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, it said so that they were even bringing people um, out into the streets so that even if, if Peter's shadow might fall upon them, they might be healed. And they were bringing even them from surrounding cities, uh, not, just to, not just in Jerusalem. Mighty, mighty displays of God's power um, accompanying the word. But then they went on as they, as they continued preaching, what, what also attended that preaching was not only the power of God, but the persecution of the church. And so they were imprisoned for it and then set free by an angel. They were brought in in front of the council to give account for themselves once again and sort of intimidated there. And then eventually beaten and threatened or told, don't preach in this name anymore. They beat them and then released them. And at the conclusion of that, they said they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And I said this is, this is actually, again, a pretty prominent theme in the New Testament that we, that we are called to share in the sufferings of Christ. And once again, I would say that doesn't, that, this doesn't come up a lot, does it, in sort of a, a devotional studies or even in American uh, preaching, and because we enjoy so much freedom in America, and particularly freedom of religion, we just don't encounter that a whole lot. Um, but it's a regular part of the Christian life, and certainly common um, at other places around the world. I shared in the course of that um, a little illustration or a story about a medical missionary named Helen Rosevear, and she was a little uh, sweet. Christian woman from England who had gone to the Congo to serve as a medical missionary, uh, actually went in 1953, and then during um, the sort of unrest that broke out there in the early 60s, um, she was just brutalized. And I want to, you know, go back through all the details of that story. You can listen online if you if you'd like to hear that. But um, she had said that when she became a Christian that someone had told her, had, out of Philippians 3.10, it sort of pointed her to Philippians 3.10 that says um, that you may know him 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. And she said it was, she was told from the, from the moment she became a Christian it would be a privilege to suffer. And she did. She did suffer and she did count it a privilege and the, the joy that she retained as a believer is just absolutely humbling. You should look her up sometime and learn a little bit more about her. But, but the, again, by, by God's providence, our, our Oringa team is coming back home off of the field right on the heels of that sermon. And I say by God's providence because um, it was not without suffering that our work among the Oringa people has taken place. And just as the church saw in spite of whatever attempts the enemy might make to assault them and, put, and, and contain them and contain the work of God, God would not be constrained. And a prison couldn't hold him back. Threats couldn't hold him back. The work of the gospel was going to advance, and it did. We sit here today because it continued even back there in this early work in Jerusalem. But again, not without a cost. As a third century bishop Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That actually much more often than not, and this hadn't been absolutely true everywhere at all times, but much more often than not, uh, where there has been great persecution of the church, there ends up being great fruitfulness of the church there. But it is rare that when the, when the gospel goes into territory where it has not been, the enemy does not want it there. And it is rare that it goes there where it doesn't cost even the actual blood of believers to water the soil on which the seeds of the gospel are sown. The seeds are sown, the water, the, the water soiled with the blood of of martyrs and it, it advances and it's fruitful. And so um, this is really not to uh, sober you or depress you again to, uh, this week, um, but it is to say actually we have the great privilege of rejoicing today at the fruitfulness that has come from the, the work of ministry we've done over the years among the Oringa people, which again did cost the, the blood of even um, some of our own, although those out of our congregation were not killed, there's, there were some who were. Um, but, the, but the fruitfulness of that work is, uh, is almost astounding and plenty to rejoice about. And that's what we have the privilege to hear about today. And so I'm going to invite at this time, April Hubbard and whoever you want to bring with you at this moment. And, uh, and she's gonna sort of set up... Um, this report this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, good morning. Praise the Lord. Uh, every time we got up to speak or anyone got up to speak while we were over there, everyone began with praise the Lord. And the response was always amen. So praise the Lord. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we, on behalf of David Hartness, Buckley, and myself, we first just want to say thank you so much for your prayers Thank you so much for your financial support and sending us. It's very humbling that we were the ones that got to go as ambassadors of Myrtle Grove. Um, we were honored so much over and over and again and again, and it was just a huge honor and privilege for us. So um, Buck is going to share uh, just a minute, and we're going to watch a video, and then we'll get up and speak more. Cool. So um, this is just, we talked about, I was going to be shooting video over there, and I just want you guys to know this is not the finished video. This is just, um, I thought it'd be, you know, you might, might want to see some of what we saw. So this is just some shots thrown up. Um, and again, as April said, thank you so much for the opportunity to, um, to even go and to bring this back. Can we have the lights down, please?
I want to give my special appreciation to Little Group Church uh, for their support to a children's ministry. And I want to thank God for our brothers and sisters from Little Group. Uh, personally, I want to say thank you very much to Metro Grove Church for the initiative you took prayerfully to partner with the church in Naringa. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much. Without you, we would not really go any further. You have big, great love for the people of Waringa. Such love is so immeasurable. I've not found it elsewhere from you. You really love Aringa and you've adopted Aringa as your own child. No one would have really loved to do that. You are so unique and so grateful for what you have done for the people of Aringa. And personally too, you have really meant a lot to me. I've got encouragement from friends like Peggy Lenny, whom I met years back, and we still communicate. She's a mother to me. Teresa, she's a sister to me. To the women at Mitobu, to the prayer team, to the missions team, to Naomi. I can't mention all of you by name, but I'm really so grateful for your prayer support, financial support, and encouragement. If you had not been there for us and for me and my family, we would not have come this far. I have no words to say how grateful I am to you. Just say may God bless you and reward you, increase you, refill your cup that you have emptied for the land of Aringa. And your labor is not in vain. The Lord bless you and continue to encourage you as you support and expand God's kingdom in this part of Haringa. God bless you. My love to you and the team, the missions team at Mitchell Daughter. God bless you. So thank you so incredibly much for the opportunity to go. Um, it was completely, totally amazing. Um, I guess we're going to each share a little bit, just a little story. Um, so God is good. It didn't. It didn't work. Okay, I'm going to teach you what they do. Every single thing we went to that was a gathering of people in Jesus' name, every single one, all week long, in the beginning, somebody would say, God is good, and everybody would practically shout, all the time. And then the person up here would say, all the time. And that is his nature. So let's practice that. God is good. All the time. And that is his nature. Amen. This is awesome. Their hearts are so incredible. Our hearts were so full being there. Uh, the singing there was at the top of their lungs. I mean, their whole hearts were in the singing everywhere we went all week long. Um, so my story, my, my experience was, um, there, there's actually so many things, so we had to all choose one. But I think the best encapsulation for my experience was that it was um, <clears throat> constantly, of course, giving myself and the whole thing to the Lord um, throughout the week and even leading up to it uh, and and now afterwards as well but um, so and even giving the trip up to the Lord I was kind of you know I was just going to shoot video and I love travel and this is something April's always wanted to do so I was looking forward to it 
but the Lord really worked on me sort of increasingly the closer we got to departure to head out there. Um, and so I got to a point without getting into too much detail where I really had to give it to the Lord and, and, uh, which was interesting to me because I didn't, you know, people were asking me a month ahead, Hey, you looking forward to it? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of work, but yeah. Um, so then while we were there, um, the first full day Sunday after the church service, we had a leaders meeting and then, uh, and then the ladies went off to one village and, um, Brian and David and I went off to a, a school, teen, school for teens. It was a Christian school or a Christian group of people. And then we went to a small village. And that was incredible because that was the really, really, really in, indigenous experience. Um, and Brian Slater, our leader, said, So, Buck, you're going to share? You're going you're gonna to preach this meeting? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> We've actually, you know, we... we we knew this was coming and we'd been told to prepare and I'd had something for at least a month and a half that I was kind of working on in the back of my head and kind of jotting down notes about every once in a while. But I don't think honestly, when it came down to it, I don't think any of us were as prepared as we would like to have been, um, which is probably a good thing because when he said that and after I laughed, I had to, you know, you, you can't just say, no, I'm not doing it. It's from the Lord. You got to like, okay, God, is this you? Am I really supposed to share? Um, because what one of the things was that the thing that I had prepared to talk about, I honestly don't remember. Something about it seemed like, like I don't know if it was like not right for this group that we were going to, or if I didn't have some of the scriptures that I had planned on looking up to back up what I was going to say. But um, there was a verse, yeah. And this is the Lord, yeah. David and Brian and me, none of us could find this one verse, which I'm sure was the Lord. Because, anyways, um, so I just sat in silence. It was a very bumpy, bumpy dirt road, long, long drive, and sat in silence just kind of thinking and sort of leaning towards the Lord on this. What do you want? What do you want me to do? And, and just giving it to him. If you want me to speak, I'll do it. Um, and as I did that, I began to have a crystal clear idea of exactly what to talk about, including the verse, um, uh, passage from the Bible, and... So the longer I kind of let that marinate, the more I was like, okay, this is the Lord. And so I just, I just gave it to him. And when it came time, I opened, I, they pulled me up, and I'm standing there. Um, and I was like, well, let's pray that I speak well. Uh, so we did that. Um, and I, I do believe that that the, the message was from the Lord to those people. And that, and that was... Um, that was just a great example for me of how the Lord meets us. When we give everything to him, he is there and, and he, he does good stuff with it. So again, thank you so much for the opportunity to go. This, it, was, it was amazing. We, we have been super blessed. That is an understatement. And it really is. All throughout the time there, I just kept saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I got to go. I mean, many of you sacrificed for us to go, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. I'm going to jump around a little bit because there are a million things we could share. And when Stacy started speaking a few minutes ago, I didn't know what you were going to talk about, but I believe it's necessary to share some of the suffering a little bit more specifically. But before I do that, I'm going to follow my script until that point, okay? So again... Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your financial sacrifice. Thank you for your support. And I just wrote down every day, no joke, every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's such a privilege and a blessing to get to come here. We left Raleigh, RDU, Wednesday afternoon. We arrived in Yumbe. That is kind of where Aringa is. So if you hear me say the word Yumbe, it's interchangeable. We arrived there Saturday afternoon. It was a long, a long journey. We thought that we were going to get to rest for the rest of Saturday, and then we would hit the ground running Sunday morning. And Ellie, who was our church's main contact there, Ellie told us on the two-hour bumpy ride to Yumbe, 
that there was a four o'clock leadership meeting. We had no idea what to expect, but of course we said, great. <laughs> yes. That meeting consisted of people sharing first about themselves, if they were married, who their spouses were, the names of their children, their ages, what areas of ministry they were involved in, and then some testimonies. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. April was reading my mind. The word she used was rich. It was so rich. As Ellie drove us back to where we stayed that night, I told he and Buck, I could go home now, first day, I could go home now, and it all would have been worth it. It all would have been worth it. It was that rich, and it built from there. I want to review, why did we go? Why did we even take this trip? Our primary purpose was to assess the health of the church in Oringa that we've been partnered with for 20 years. Specifically, the areas of children's, youth ministry, and discipleship, because those are the three areas that we specifically support, both people-wise and financially. But it was also to encourage and to build relationships. And I'm excited to report God exceeded every one of our expectations in all of those areas. I want to share with you something that Brother Tony, Tony Satterfield, shared as he gave us a charge a few weeks ago before we left. And this is what he wrote. I asked him to give it to me. Lord, 20 years ago you sent out a team from this church to the Aringa, a people with no written language no Bible, no electricity, no doctors or hospital, so poor, not even garbage or trash on the ground. Yes, Lord, we literally crossed the river. Blood was shed. People died. We witnessed the witch doctor sitting on the ground outside of this mud hut, ridicule Christ. Through an interpreter say, why do you worship this Jesus? For he has no power. The would-be pastor way out in the bush say, Yes, I'm a Christian, but I've not been born again. The father who said, All I want from life is to be able to feed my family and to live to see my daughter marry a Christian man that way they will not be Muslim. So yes, team, this is what he said, go and see, record, and bring back more good news about what God is doing in Oringa. And that is what we have, nothing but good news. Folks, some of you have met the patriarch. That's kind of what I will call Isaac. He has been here multiple times. Some of your heads are nodding. I saw Jim and Margo over here when they saw Isaac, remember who he was. Some of you met a gentleman named Mofart. Others have met Barnaba. Barnabas to them, but he loves the fact that some here call him Barnaba, especially Reed and April. He's very fond of them and Eric and Holly. But I want to tell you, there is a new generation of leaders. Ellie, Peace, Titus, Jackson, Charles, and others. Just names to you, people that cause tears to well up in our eyes. So here's what I wanna, where I want to deviate. Speaking of sacrifice, many of you know January, I believe it was, 2001, our very own Reed Satterfield and Eric Lawrence were attacked by a group of Muslim men. They were robbed and they were shot and left for dead. They used to worship right here where some of you are. But thank God he had another plan. 
It took hours and hours of pain and anguish for them to receive help, to get driven hours to a quote-unquote airport, which today has progressed to being a dirt strip. It wasn't even that back then. Reed's shoulder was destroyed. He had hip surgery Tuesday, will be two weeks ago, to replace his hip. He's in his 40s. He will always have lingering troubles because of that wound. But it causes his heart to be big for these people. He would love to live there, but he physically can't do it. Eric's elbow, thank God, healed many years ago. Still challenges emotionally, as you might imagine, were there. Then let's fast forward. March of 2004, March 18th to be precise, there was a, I guess I would call it a Christian trade school that you, this church, helped build called ESTA. There was a couple from Wisconsin named the Pets who were there living with the Iringa. They were murdered that night by a group of Muslim men. And a young student, an Iringan student named Isaac, was also murdered that night. Titus is a name I just mentioned a few moments ago. Titus is an example of the fruit of suffering that came out of that. Now, his English was hard for me to understand, so forgive me if I embellish this, but this is what I thought I heard him say. He was held captive. They have set fire to all the buildings. It's dark out, and they've told him, you can go. So he starts to go, and he starts to run because they're shooting at him. And so as he rounds the corner of the last mud hut, he hears this sound of the bullets going into the mud hut, missing him. And he said, that God who saved my life that night, I give him everything, everything. Now, I don't understand all the titles they have there, but he's in a very elevated position today. He's called the archdeacon. If I understood it correctly, he's like the pastor to all the pastors of the 54 churches in Aringa. 54 churches in Aringa. <laughs> Isaac, who is retired, still living, he's getting old. He and his wife live about two hours away. We had the privilege of having dinner with he and his wife the last night before we left that area. If you want to hear more about that, and if you want to know more about the Gizzard Queen, then you have to come back Sunday evening, June 3rd, where we will have a more in-depth video and conversation about this time. But here's what Isaac said about that night, March 18, 2004, when those people were killed. He said, they came looking for Ellie. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to cut off the head, if you will. And so they had Ellie. They just didn't know who he was. Isaac said, I saw leadership in him that night, the way he remained calm under pressure. If it wasn't for Ellie's leadership, many more people would have died that night. That's what Isaac said. Isaac was Ellie's mentor, and Ellie now stands in Isaac's place in what he once did. I was so impressed. We all were. We all were with the depth, the strength of faith, the commitment to the Lord. I have to tell you this too. Brian Slater, many of you know, was a part of the original group that went to Aringa. He said many times to them, when I was here 20 years ago, you were weak. Many of your pastors weren't even saved. We weren't sure if your church would even survive. 
Brian now goes all over Africa. In fact, he's got four more weeks left. He sent me an email this morning, just finishing the second week, very fruitful but difficult. Kenya, Tanzania, Zambia. Brian and Ann said they have not seen a church like the Aringa Church in all of their travels in Africa. Amen? Amen. So let me move on and tell you the story I was originally going to share. Really quick. It's the same one that Buck talked about. When we get to this rural area, and you have to understand that's a relative term <laughs> with where we were most of our time, we get to an even more rural area of this dusty, bumpy dirt road. And here's this procession out to greet us, singing and just such jubilation like we're rock stars you know and we're nobody we're just we're glad to be there we're glad to get to go these people had gathered for church that morning they stayed all day waiting for us now we're just getting driven around we don't even know where we're going what we're doing we're just saying yes yes thank you we got there at 5 30 with all due respect, how many of us, they said not one soul left, how many of us would show up in the morning and wait all day to have these visitors? By the way, this church was different than the main church that we were based out of. If you could imagine somebody cutting some branches down from our trees, carving the bark off, putting them down into the ground, getting a tarp somewhere, we don't know where they got it from, pulling it across the top, and it's got some periodic holes in it, and they tie it to the sticks, you would have church. That was their church. That is where we worshiped. And that is where Buck spoke. I may remember more of the details than he does, because God did speak through him so powerfully. He spoke on what it meant to really be a Christian. He spoke on the difference between knowing Jesus personally and knowing just a lot about him. Because you see, just like we have cultural Christians here, especially in the buckle of the Bible belt where we live, they have them there too. Christian there to many means not Muslim. Muslim, Christian. Many don't know any more than that. So that's what Buck spoke to the heart of. And it was very powerful. It was very powerful. We um, were really taken aback by the fact that so many people there had never seen, if I say this right, a Mzungu. What she said. Mzungu. A white person. So many had not. So after Buck spoke, we invited people up to shake our hands, to, to touch us, as, as they did. <laughs> the joy, the laughter, oh, it, it was, oh my goodness, it brings tears to my eyes. I miss that. It was so sweet, so sweet. And then these people, poor in wealth, invited us to have, stay for supper. You know, it's not like here, somebody asks you to do something and it's uncomfortable and it's like, oh, quick, quick, honey, let's think of some excuse to get out of it, you know. Remember, this whole week was, yes. So I'm praying as we're walking into this dark mud hut, Lord, I have no idea what we're going to eat. <laughs> Please protect us, protect me. So in spite of a little sickness that came later, it it was all good. It, it, it was a blessing. I want to close by telling you that it was hard to leave. It was hard to leave. I'm glad I'm back. Don't get me wrong. 
but a piece of my heart is in Yumbe. And it's because of you all. Thank you very much. Most of the time while I was there, I was with Ann Slater and Peace, he had mentioned, who oversees, Peace oversees children's ministry in, for all of Oringa, the church of Oringa. So that's not one church, he mentioned. Um, right now there are 54 churches in Oringa, 54 Oringa churches. She actively oversees children's ministry in 15 of those churches. Um, so while I was there, Anne and I um, were part of a children's ministry leader workshop during the week while the guys were at um, the Timothy II pastor training workshop. Um, we were so blown away. I mean, the whole time we just kept saying, wow, wow, God, you are doing amazing things here and we get to see it. Um, we were so humbled, so honored, and God, his name is being made great um, in, in Oringa, thousands of people are impacted. Um, we have, it's humbling because we've been part of it for such a short time. Many of you have been part of it from the beginning, from 20 years ago or much longer than us, but to get to be part of it and see the fruit, the sacrifice and the hardships were not in vain. Um, there's so much fruit coming out of Oringa and the Christian church there, the children's ministry. So we had 22 children's ministry workers that came to our workshop representing about, I think there was at least one person from all of the 15 churches that Peace oversees. Um, seeing the joy and the unity of the leaders as they were together all week, they were spending the night and staying at the church where we had the workshop. Um, and they all had divvied up jobs of who is keeping the time for our schedule, who is keeping the bathrooms clean, who is um, getting tea ready. They just, they worked together so beautifully. Um, they were just so full of joy every time we were together. They would break out in song, and like on the first note, they were harmonizing beautifully. It was amazing. <laughs> um, it was just so fun to work with them. But of the 22 leaders that were there and the first day we were asking them what what church are they with where is that how how long have you been part of this and how many kids are in your ministry that you're overseeing and the numbers i'm not big on hey we need to have a big church and lots of numbers but they speak what's happening um Many of the churches in these remote villages, like they were talking about, and another one that I got to visit way out, have 300 kids in their children's ministry, 150 kids, 80 kids. The lowest number of kids from one of our workers who was there was 60 kids. 60. So that was a total of 100 or 1,500 kids in children's ministry in Oringa, that's that's pretty amazing to god be the glory for all of that peggy i have to say um god has used you and worked through you in such amazing ways the fruit of your labor is amazing how you have trained peace and mentored peace and what she has done is astounding I just continue to say, wow, wow, God, you are awesome. You are doing amazing things here. And praise God for you. It was so beautiful, so beautiful to get to go and be part of that and to see the depth of relationship they have with the Lord, to see the depth of relationship that the kids have with Jesus and their their leaders and um, they have such a passion for the word uh, they've had the Bible translated in their language about two years the New Testament and praise God for that um, they're actively working on translating the New Testament the Old Testament I mean yes um, 
but they're memorizing scripture. They have such a passion for God's word. And every week, children are lining up to recite their Bible verses they have memorized. And um, it's beautiful. Every January, the first week of January, Peace takes a group of children and youth on missions week and they're going out and serving the elderly and the poor and the needy they're cleaning houses they're fixing things they're just loving on um, people who need it so to think back that 20 years ago there was only a handful of people who actually knew God and believed in God and to see what's happening now is astounding Um, she has a children's camp that's coming up in a couple weeks in May. Um, so just so much is just is going on, and it's just so exciting. I also, the guys were talking about they went to a church off one way, and that Sunday afternoon, Anne and Peace and I went to another church. We were taken off riding in a car down that dirt bumpy road for probably an hour. And then all of a sudden, we have no idea where we're going, and then all of a sudden, we also were, all of a sudden we see there's people all filling the street, and they are worshiping and dancing, and they start surrounding the car, and the older ladies are going, yay! (laughs) Um, And then they want us to get out of the car, and they're waving branches, and they have a big banner, and and it's for us. Who, Who am I? that they want to do this for us. Um, And they parade us in and sit us in the honorable seat right up front facing them. And now this is two weeks after Palm Sunday, so it's a little fresh thinking about people waving branches and ushering us in and just feeling so humbled, like, wow, this is kind of like what Jesus experienced on his triumphant entry And who am I that they're doing this for us? Um, So again, it was such a humbling experience to get to go as representatives of Myrtle Grove because they continually were just telling us, thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you for adopting us. Before this trip, I was kind of hesitant using the word adoption. Like, I don't want us to get the idea that we're lording over them and we know more than they do because we were all created in God's image and he loves each one of us and he speaks to us and gives us, you know, um, the Holy Spirit. But God has called us to adopt them and to walk with them and love them and support them and they love that we have adopted them. They see us as their mother who has adopted them and we haven't left them even when things got hard even when things were rough and challenging and painful we didn't walk away and leave them and just drop them like well forget it we're, we're done they are so blessed that we have stuck with them and we're just continuing to honor us and give their words of appreciation um I want to mention the crosses. Um, Betty, are you in here? I want you to hear this. Um, Betty and the ladies from the prayer shawl ministry sent 300 cross-stitch crosses with the colors of the gospel so you can share the the gospel with the, the colors on the strings. And we gave them out. The first time we gave them was a women's ministry event that we had, and we gave each of them one of the crosses and showed them how to how you can share the gospel with this. They were so, so blessed. And then we gave them to everyone who was involved in all of the workshops, and both workshops and all the leadership who were there, and we left them with the leadership to also pass out. But especially the children's ministry leaders, they were, they taped them to their shirt. They were like every picture they wanted to see the crosses that they had. They were so excited. They couldn't wait to go share the gospel with someone else with those crosses. So that was such a huge thing. I had no idea that was going to make such an impact. So. Um, 
just to wrap up, I just want to say again, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for your support. God is doing amazing things in Oringa. And not only are they a thriving church, um, they are now giving out. They're going out. They're serving in the refugee camp. They're, the biggest refugee camp in the world is right next door. There are 14 zones of this refugee camp, and they are actively working in four zones, um, teaching hygiene, building bathrooms, showing the Jesus film every week. Um, people from the refugee camp are now coming I don't know how, walking or something, they're coming to church, and they're really being blessed. It's, it's just beautiful to see the people of Oringa are giving out. They are not just doing it for themselves. Um, they're actively engaging Muslims. They're showing the Jesus film every week with some of the Muslims. Um, Peace has started a soccer program at nine of the 15 churches that she works with. Um, we were able to take 10 soccer balls there to kind of support and bless what she's doing with that. Um, and it's just, just the testimonies we heard last year of how Muslims are giving their children to the Christians because of how they see the impact of these Christian kids interacting while they're playing soccer. It's just, again and again, God's name is being made great. And he is doing amazing and mighty things. And so thank you again um, for sending us. And uh, we are going to get together again, I think, June 3rd in the evening in the Fellowship Hall when Brian and Ann Slater are back from all around Africa. And we'll be sharing more in depth. But um, thanks for letting us share. I, I'd like to do one quick thing. Yeah. You, you all are the ones who deserve that. Thank you. Um, one quick thing. For, the, for our brothers and sisters in Yumbe, I'd like to do a video selfie of all of us, if that's okay. 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 If you'd like to stand. Okay, just real quick, make sure you remember God is great. All the time. All the time. God is good. And that is his nature. Excellent. Okay, so put this on video. Oh, my gosh. Everybody ready? God is good. All is good. All the time. God is good. And that is his nature. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I couldn't have prepared anything more inspiring or encouraging than that. And um, I, I was going to share some words Brian Slater had shared in an email, just kind of his perspective, and David shared some of that, just about how um, amazed he was and how encouraged he was at what he saw. Blown away, he said. Uh, to see the, the church having multiplied like that when early on it was so weak um, and especially after the opposition that they faced, you know, they weren't sure it was going to survive at all. I, two, two little passages in Scripture come to mind as I was even sitting here listening and one being, I think it's in Acts 17, Paul goes to Thessalonica and he's there for three Sabbaths, and then he's run out of town. And um, actually, they chase him to Berea and run him out of Berea, too. Like, they're that aggressive about seeing him gone. And he leaves. I mean, he couldn't have any idea that any of those seeds actually take root. And, of course, there are two letters to the Thess Thessalonian church that say they did take root. But I remember also uh, first in First in Timothy uh, chapter one. It's probably verse in the first few verses or something like that, where he says, "I, as as I urged you uh, when I was in Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, 
And why, why say remain in Ephesus? Well, because Timothy probably had all kinds of reasons to want to leave Ephesus. But I urge you to remain. And that's what Myrtle Grove has done in Oringa, even in spite of the real lack of evidence that there was going to be any fruitfulness and in spite of the opposition um, and persecution and that sort of thing, this church remained. And that testimony of the, of the just immeasurable fruitfulness of what God is doing in the church there is the result of that. And so let's praise the Lord once again for what he's done there. I'm going to say a quick uh, closing prayer, and then I'll offer the benediction. We'll sing um, a, a song, and you can take a message for me there. Uh, but, um, and, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, we praise your great name. You are, you are good all the time, and all the time you are good. That is your nature, and Lord, we see that in what you are have done and are doing among the Oringa people. We thank you for the privilege as a church of participating in ministry with them. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge that it is to us to see a church um, that is that eager to share the gospel, that is now considering being a sending church that's planting new churches in, in places where the gospel hasn't gone yet. So we thank you for that, but we're also motivated um, ourselves um, and reminded of just the great work you've called us to. So thank you for that testimony, Lord. Would you just allow us to continue to be fruitful in that way, even right here in our community? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.